we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. We're, we're going to start with uh, one of these stories uh, that uh, really we, we've been discussing and predicting for some time. And uh, this is a paper in the uh, Journal of Neurological Disorders that uh, Dr. McCullough was involved in himself. And it's a greater understanding of how genetic vaccines may permanently affect the human uh, genome. And very, very interesting here. Welcome in, uh, my fellow Americans, uh, to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough. So this is fascinating, this paper, and uh, this is uh, potential mechanisms for the human genome integration of genetic code from SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccination, the implications for diseases, and very interesting, the conclusion of this, when I read it through, uh, Dr. McCullough, this is uh, kind of what we talked about some time ago, a potential game changer. It is, you know, it looks like it's happening. And I, I want people to understand this, that when the messenger RNA vaccines are injected into the human body, they have what's called five prime and, and three prime nucleoside analog caps that prevents them from being broken down. Normally there's an RNAase that breaks down the messenger RNA, but in, in fact, these are long lasting. A paper by Rolkin from Stanford shows they're in the body for at least two months, probably longer. Now it's been discovered, and we outline it in this paper, that there is a natural enzyme called the long interspersed nuclear element, line one. And this is a reverse transcriptase, meaning that Pfizer and Moderna stay around long enough where the human body figures out how to make a mirror image code to it. And then those um, nucleic acids are in the reverse mirror image of Pfizer. They're able to actually imprint the Pfizer code permanently into the human DNA. And this paper uh, outlines how this happens. It's heavily referenced. It's a very technical paper. It also, um, in figure one, points out it gives an illustration of the SARS-CoV-2 genome, Malcolm. And this is a little bit spooky, but it, you know, the figure we indicate that it's nearly identical to a human gene sequence. And this was adapted by from Rostogi and colleagues in 2020. It's more evidence, Malcolm, that the virus was was in a sense man-made, engineered and it has too much homology to humans mm. to do this. So this code is there. Uh, this paper follows on now several papers. By the way, the virus itself, it looks like can partially reverse transcribe. The human body seems to edit this out pretty quickly. But what we're implying here, we think the whole code of the messenger RNA now is permanently into human DNA. And we don't know what the implications are going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I tell you, just listening to you talk, it, it, I'm sure people are deeply, deeply concerned, having listened to them for some months asking, okay, how do you get this out of your system with the spike protein? They had the vaccines, the uh, mRNA. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of panic out there. 
uh, this plays to that panic, uh, to be sure, because it, it, as I understand this now, Dr. McCullough, I mean, if this is all accurate as it is here, uh, there's not a lot in the arsenal to fight this. I mean, a change like this, there's, I mean, or is there anything that can push back on this? I'm not sure it exists, does it? No, I mean, we're, we're just finding out what the possibilities are. Figure two shows that once it's installed and the mm -hmm. spike protein is produced right. from the human chromosomes, right. there is a type one interference response, clearly knocking down P53, which mm -hmm. is a central tumor suppressor gene that reduces DNA repair and restoration. Uh, I can tell you the arrows in the figure, uh, Malcolm, unfortunately lead to cancer. Which is why we've been seeing so much of that. Is that correct? We've been hearing that from a lot of people. Is that not correct? You know, a leading theory, I've listened to lectures by Scott, Scott Atlas, former White House advisor. Mm -hmm. yeah. Scott has said for a couple of years that it was the reason why we're seeing so much cancer is that people were behind on their colonoscopy, their mammography. Mm, wow. They didn't see doctors in person. Cancers weren't detected. But, you know, we're three years into it. And, you know, I'm not ready as a right. uh, professional public figure to call an increased cancer risk, but things right. are pointing in that direction. Now, it's clear, and we spent a ton of time on this, and the FDA agrees, the vaccines for sure cause blood clots, heart damage, and neurologic damage. But I think the big thing out there is cancer. Now, the other thing I want to point out in, in figure two is what we have in here is called the senescence phenotype the senescence phenotype, meaning that the vaccines theoretically could, could just advance one's age. And of interest, there's a paper that just hit the wires today with the infection. Hmm. And the infection actually does change some uh, physiologic properties in the body, what's called telomere length, that actually advances senescence. And people have asked me this, said, Dr. McCullough, if you get the infection, you take the vaccine, does it actually make you older? My, my, my loved one seems to be aging more quickly. And the answer is pointing to yes. Mm. Wow. Wow. You mentioned uh, Moderna and Pfizer moments ago that it, it, it looks like it's hanging around longer than what people thought. There's no knowledge at this point of like how much time between, I mean, I don't imagine we know by the time you had the vaccine and how much time goes by before you're in safe territory again. We don't really know that, do we? We don't. We haven't found anybody who's cleared the messenger RNA or cleared the spike protein yet. I mean, this is what's really disturbing about it. Uh, you know, I have a bombshell interview coming up this weekend with Sasha Ladipova on the McCullough Report. I got to preview this, Malcolm. This is an unbelievable report. She's an insider in the pharmaceutical industry. And I had no idea that these vaccines are actually made by Department of Defense contractors under DARPA. They're not made by Pfizer and Moderna uh, or Johnson & Johnson. Those are marketing shields. That the, the, the These are produced by defense contractors. And even the final fill and finish and the lot establishment and everything is all done by these contractors. Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson, Johnson have nothing to do with it. I was stunned and wow. we lay it all out in the wow. McCullough report. And wow. no, by the way, Malcolm, there's no, mm. there are no inspections for purity, mm. uh, quality or safety once they roll out from these factories. Mm. None. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to tell you, just in the early part of this conversation, uh, my friend, my mind is blown. I mean, really, truly, I, I, 
you know, I'm, I just can't even put it any other way. And I'm thinking about all these people who not only took it under such duress and were, I mean, really sabotaged, I mean, put it against a corner and threatened in so many ways. And you know what's even sicker than this? Just last night, my wife goes ahead and comes in late and turns the television on to put the news on for a moment, very late in the evening. And sure enough, commercials come on from the United States government with all these happy-go-lucky people pushing and forcing and asking you and requesting to get in and get your vaccines. And I just, I did an eye roll. She looked at me, I looked at her, and we just couldn't even believe it. This is without even this story, but thinking that, oh my God, these people just don't give up. And still they're not giving up, are they? They aren't. You know, back to our paper, figure three, we cite nine things that the literature has confirmed the vaccines do. Let's listen to it. Vascular endothelial damage means damage to the blood vessels, pathologic pulmonary vascular and systemic vascular thrombosis, blood clots. Number three, venous and cerebral thrombosis, blood clots in these organs. Thrombocytopenia, thromboembolism, and hemorrhage. That's VITT number four. Number five, platelet coagulation defects. Number um, uh, number six is severe immunorefractory thrombocytopenia. Number seven, myocarditis. Number eight, prion-associated neurodegenerative disease like Parkinson's disease and dementias. And number nine, multi-organ failure post-vaccination. Malcolm, this is a, a, a train wreck. Yeah. There's no way these shots can make the human body healthier. Mm-hmm. The real question is, is anybody going to get out of this untouched? And what I learned in my Latipova mm. interview is, yeah. do you know the lot sizes and these have gotten as big as 900 liters in size? What Latipova told me, she goes, there's no way these vaccines are consistent from vial to vial. There's no way, mm. no way. Some must have very little genetic material in it. Some must have a super load of genetic because it's all glopped together in lipid nanoparticles. She goes, this stuff is like a giant, it's like trying to pour uh, vegetable soup consistently into a bunch of little thimbles. There's no way it's yeah. going to be equal for each one. And the only thing I can say is, is that we have 80% of, of the deaths occur in 35% of specific lots with Pfizer and 80% in 20% of specific lots for Moderna. We have to hope that people are getting these relatively bland lots mm-hmm. and get out of it without too much damage. Because without all of us, all, Malcolm, all of us have had family members, friends, yep. people yep. we work with. We don't wish anyone no, bad no, no, taking no. one of these vaccines, but yeah. it's not looking good. Yeah, yeah, it's not looking good. I mean, just let that reverberate in your minds a moment here. Uh, the conclusion of this paper goes on to say further toxicity uh, uh, evaluations are urgently needed to quantify potential emergence of interference uh, and with with the mRNA vaccinated population, of course, w- w- that's the obviously more more work needs to be done here. But that's really the conclusion, isn't it? It is. It, it once it's installed into what's called the HERV region, okay. the question is: Is the body going to silence this genetic code in the mosaic mm. cells that taken it up, or is it going to be expressed? Or in the last sentence, we indicate triggering. That is, if you got sick with something mm. else, is this going to be expressed and really make you sick? with yeah. the spike protein. Yeah. Um, and we've heard recently about a convergence of influenza and um, respiratory syncytial right, virus. Right. And right. It, it does bring up the issue is, is this going to be now a drag on immunity? Is it going to make other intercurrent infections far worse? Yeah. Uh, again, none of it's good. It's all conjecture. Yeah. We need to 
obviously do a ton of research now. Yeah, it's a very viable point what you just made, and I've actually been thinking about it as well as that because I've been reading different uh, reports and studies and things uh, about the uh, convergence of uh, these other viruses, influenzas, even normal flus, this kind of thing, uh, with COVID and the variants and other, uh, I guess nothing good can come out of that, but to some it would be a very um, difficult winter and people are still... uh, having challenges with this problem. So that's all the narrative of what you're speaking about there. Uh, two, two last points I'll make and then we'll move on. And number one, um, I will say that um, there's uh, there were, I think, four people involved in this paper. And I'm just so proud and pleased that you were in on this uh, this uh, paper, this findings uh, to come up with this. Who are the other ones involved in this? Yeah. Oh, great question. You know, this paper has 129 references yeah. So people can understand a typical paper has 30 references, yeah. 129 references. Yeah. This is very, very detailed. So Anthony Karagopoulos is the first author I've published with him before. He's formerly trained at the Hellenic Institute in Athens, Greece. He runs a very high-tech lab there. Myself, Greg Nye, who's a naturopathic oncologist uh, at Immersion Health in Portland, Oregon. And then it's headed up by Stephanie Senoff. And I've been in the work group now for a couple of years. And Stephanie is real the real uh, workhorse of it. Steph- Stephanie's actually been featured on Fox News and a lot of news stations. She's actually in a computer science and artificial intelligence laboratory at the Massachusetts Institute of Health, MIT. So um, I can tell you people in this group are top-notch. Every word in this manuscript should be uh, taken seriously. And uh, we are going to continue and be relentless in trying to bring the truth forward on what's going on with these vaccines. People are going to ask, uh, you know what they're going to ask now, and I I don't imagine there's any answers for this, but they're going to ask... you know, because people are proactive and they think this way, like, what can they do? Uh, what? How can we flush it? How can we fight back? What can we do? Uh, they're, they're just going to keep asking those kinds of uh, questions. Uh, I don't imagine you have any answers for that, or do you? No, we're going to keep searching for answers. The most common questions we have is, A, how do I get the vaccine out of my body? And B, how do I get the spike protein, whether it's from the vaccine or from the respiratory illness? Yeah. Uh, I recently attended a lecture by Dr. Henry Ely, who's a contributor on the platform, and he really laid out the evidence for intermittent fasting and how intermittent fasting really does activate a lot of clearance mechanisms of the body. And I've told some patients that recently now, we need to start really going longer periods between meals, let that hunger come back and start to detoxify the body. Uh, it's pretty low risk. A lot of people want need to lose a little weight anyway, uh, and so uh, that's going to be one suggestion. I think that's going to be there for a long time. And then there's a recent paper uh, from Japan regarding an oral natural thrombolytic medicine called uh, natokinase. And uh, that's a preclinical study, but it was a really good preclinical study. And it looks like the only thing that's actually digesting the spike protein without injuring the cells. So I think natokinase should come forward pretty quickly into clinical studies for post-vaccine and then post-long COVID. But that's what I have right now. People are trying nutraceuticals and supplements. They're trying ivermectin. They're trying hydroxychloroquine. But right now, it's just, uh, it's it's a dark area because we don't have any government recognition. We don't have any research programs yet. No randomized trials. No, that's a very great point you make. We don't have any government recognition. No, they're still busy fighting with people like you and trying to pull their board credentials and uh, not the government, but the associations who 
you know, they're all in that loop of uh, chaos, uh, basically. And uh, no, there is no recognition from any of these people. They're in denial. They're in denial. And it's 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 angry. You get angry from this. And, you know, I just I, I you know, I have to just uh, pray to God. I mean, I have to tell you that what we've done here to humanity and I, I've had a bad sense of this thing from the get go, which is why I was so adamant. Uh, Peter personally, even when they were pushing it and my kids and my daughter with college and all that said, absolutely 1000%. No, no, no. Is there any other way I'm going to spell that? No, you're not having these vaccines. You're not doing it. That, that was before we, you know, when we were just ramping up on this thing and we knew it was going to be a problem, but the evidence all showed that. And, you know, I, I just have to pray that uh, there's an answer for this somewhere. But it, it is a dark chapter, this thing. And it's you know, we don't wish it upon anybody. You're exactly right. But it's uh, it's pretty sick, isn't it? You know, it is. And it was just far too widely applied. You know, if we applied yeah. it to a limited number of senior citizens, uh, I was in a, with a group uh, last night in uh, Westport, Connecticut. And I, uh, I was having a conversation with a Canadian who told me that, you, you know, as actually, no, he was from Connecticut. He told me that some large fraction, 60% or so of the deaths were nursing home patients. And he said, why didn't we just have the vaccines focus on nursing home patients? It could have been smaller. We could have had a more careful look at safety. But uh, in fact, that, that never happened. Uh, we, we actually haven't seen a newsreel featuring a senior citizen in over a year, there's been an incessant focus on the children and young people. Well, I want to talk to you about that now. In fact, that was the next thing to discuss, actually, was, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about this now in, in, in real world data on this uh, paper. And now we see what you covered last week on the McCullough Report, actually, and we've covered it on Pulse here. But this uh, this this call in with the CDC trying to improve and push that committee they put together 15 to 0 uh, for children and teens to take um, the to, to vaccine. I'm thinking about all these young, innocent lives, all these young children, Peter, that are just starting out with their lives and they're being, um, you know, uh, hit with these uh, and and they're unsuspecting. They have no clue. And they go in there smiling and, they, they, you know, the, the nurse, the doctor's got the shot and like it's, you know, the parents there and. You know, and this is happening right as we're talking, as we're doing this show. I'm sure thousands of kids have been vaccinated just while we're doing this show. And they stand to lose a lot from this paper we just talked about up front, do they not? They do. We know from the published randomized trials that 80% of kids really get sick with the vaccine. So they physically get sick hmm. uh, fever, muscle aches, uh, general inanition. The vSafe data that the CDC did not want to release was finally obtained by the NGO ICANN and analyzed there. Lead attorney Aaron Siri pressed that case. And vSafe is what the parents report on the kids, largely through the cell phone app to the CDC. It's astonishing. 25% are incapacitated the next couple of days. I mean, they literally can't get out of bed. That's how severe the vaccines are. And they get worse with each successive shot. The other thing is seven to eight percent have to go to the ER. The parents have to be prepared to go to the ER urgent care because of fever, vomiting, some new symptom, chest pain. Wow. Uh, it, Malcolm, it, it is yeah. a wrecking machine. Yeah. So what we know now is uh, in many ways, the CDC advancing the uh, vaccines, which are is unprecedented 
because they're still experimental. This is a pandemic. This is not a permanent disease. And, um, and, and the fact they don't even know the dose schedule. Uh, they're talking about annual shots, but all the studies suggest the theoretical benefits only six months. So is it going to be, is that on the schedule every six months forever? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. Are we back to the regular shots or the bivalence? Nobody knows. Uh, th- there is no schedule yet for the bivalent vaccines. One would have to start over with the obsolete vaccines, mm-hmm. take two shots, become fully vaccinated, and then take a bivalent. So this whole thing is a mess. I think it's advantageous though, uh, to those interested in health freedom, that they announced it when they did, two weeks before the midterm elections. And I've gone on national TV, I've told every media person, listen, every candidate running for a position right now, mm-hmm. Americans need to know where do they stand on these vaccines? Yeah. Uh, uh, please, everybody listening, uh, please, uh, please uh, get this information, this early part of this broadcast today. Uh, please get this to all of those people, your friends, your uh, uh, relatives, your family, your circle, your acquaintances, your business. And if they're considering vaccinating the children, please uh, beg them to listen to this show for their own wealth, health, uh, uh, health and well-being. I mean, any clear minded uh, person, human that listens to the conversation we just had has to at least leave this conversation with doubt and question and thought and concern and the the direness of the moment. Does that make sense, Dr. McCullough? At least pause on this one. I know some people are just such enthusiasts or they feel like there's a, a, this vaccines are a linkage to the freedom. Uh, the vaccines, they, they don't provide any freedom, uh, Malcolm. You know, on, on my uh, sub stack today, uh, I have a feature, the Courageous Discourse Substack. I have a feature on football and baseball star Deion Sanders, mm-hmm. who takes the vaccine, at least two, maybe three of them, suffers showers of blood clots to his legs. Wow. And starts to have his toes amputated, nearly lost his leg. Wow. And, you know, he was shaming players into taking the vaccine. Mm-hmm. He was uh, he was trash talking Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers didn't take the vaccine quarterback for the Packers saying he wasn't a team player, that everyone needs to take the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And now Sanders, who turns out has an inherited blood clotting uh, proclivity, which is very important. You, you know, a lot of people are walking around down there with, with genetic tendencies to form blood clots, and they don't know it until like, like Sanders, till he takes the vaccine. Now he's on the sidelines in a scooter. He can't walk. Wow. He's lost a tremendous amount of weight. He's not only blood clots to his legs, he got really sick. And now he's done a docu-series about how he came back to the sidelines and this and that, but no mention of the vaccines. Mm. The only thing I can tell you is all his virtue signaling on the vaccines has stopped. He doesn't say a word of them now. Mm. Wow. That's a, that's a sad, sad state of affairs, what you just report there, to be sure. On top of all of this that we're talking about now, friends, uh, we now are in this uh, layering on all of it is the fact that the attacks, the, the the constant, relentless attacks on freedom fighters, on people that are really working so hard to get the truth out there with no other agenda involved than just the God's honest truth, the out loud truth, in fact. 
And now you see the attacks on, uh, which was unbelievable when I seen this back. Uh, we talked about it the last couple of weeks, but the board credentials of, uh, you have two, one in cardiovascular, one in internal, I believe they are, Dr. McCullough. And, you know, it's hard enough for one doctor to get one board certification, quite frankly. I know a lot who couldn't even get there, and you've got a couple of them, and now you're fighting to keep them. They are literally in the process of trying to strip them from you. Is that correct? They are. And let me just explain. This is so complicated for the public and the media. So doctors licensed to practice medicine is granted by state licensing boards. And so state licensing boards boards assure that a doctor has graduated from medical school, has had a minimum amount of training, and doesn't have any problems with drugs or alcohol or clinical care. My medical license fine. It's always been fine. It has no defects. It's everything's fine. The board certifications are done at the federal level and they uh, assure that someone's completed a residency, they've completed a fellowship and they've taken examinations to um, confer their comp competence. And so uh, I have elected to take what's called maintenance of certification, which I don't have to but means I voluntarily put my career on the line. And every 10 years, I take a comprehensive test. It takes like it takes a year to prepare for it. It takes a whole day to take the test. And um, so I've maintained my boards in internal medicine and cardiology. I've taken the internal medicine exam four times now, the cardiology exam three times, and have a perfect clinical track record, perfect board score. The American Board of Internal Medicine should only be concerned with my Hmm. clinical um, competencies and my uh, what's called um, practice-based learning, system-based learning. That's the only thing they should be considered with. They have taken on the charge now of politically trying to judge people's comments regarding COVID-19. And they have ex post facto reviewed my public comments of which I have given hundreds, if not thousands of interviews at this point in time. And particularly zeroed in on my uh, Senate testimonies, uh, U.S. and state Senates in 2021, and ex post facto have declared uh, that I have um, I have uh, put out COVID misinformation. And the word misinformation is interesting. Uh, you know, it, it arose in the 1500s. 2018 misinformation was word of the year in the New York Post. Word of the year, 2018. So it was actually during the Trump administration. And it was really misinformation is a, is a political tactic word. It's also been a propaganda word, but it's never been a medical word. There's, it's not in medical textbooks. Uh, in medicine, we simply have um, data and we have points of view, opinions, interpreted. When, when patients go to doctors, they get a medical opinion. And so this accusation of misinformation is, is honestly, it's, it's like a witch hunt. So I've responded with a, over a 20 page document of supporting everything that I've said. And now the board has reviewed this in a closed meeting. They didn't let me attend. I requested to attend a meeting by their executive committee, none of whom were experts in COVID, three attorneys. And they have uh, said that my response, that nothing was compelling to my response. So therefore they're recommending that I be decertified mm. in internal medicine, cardiology, after all that work, all those exam works, after my, my residencies and fellowships, none of that is all that's going to be erased. And now on November 18th, I have to submit an appeal, uh, get an attorney. I have to name witnesses. 
and now take these additional steps. And I can tell you the McCullough fans out there, Senator Ron Johnson, uh, the, the community, Laura Ingram mentioned it last night on Fox News, everyone is outraged, which is obviously an attempt at professional reprisal for me speaking the truth on COVID-19. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, and, uh, you know, there has to be some mercy here somewhere. There has to be some truth. Um, it just doesn't stop. I mean, this this chapter gets darker and darker and darker. You know, it's uh, it's it's unconscionable, all of it is. Um, and, yeah, people are outraged. They're angry, uh, to be sure. I mean, you've been a, a bright light of, of hope and honor the dignity of class, style, uh, uh, real, I mean, gone so far out of your way for real information. People have uh, hung on that and they've hung on hope as well. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. We are America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer, this stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Do you know there's no other condition that I'm aware of where vitamins and supplements make such a big difference than COVID-19. We have a, an abundance of data that we need to be replete with a variety of micronutrients, and that includes vitamins, minerals, and other substances our bodies need. I rely on Healthy Cell Super Boost. That's Immune Super Boost. It's a, a gel pack that can be taken every day. I like to do it before I exercise and before I go out. It's a wonderful supplement. It gives me the immune super boost that I need. Go to HealthyCell.com, use the promotional code OUTLOUD, and get a discount on your first order. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Let me, uh, in a relative sense of the moment, uh, this question from Cynthia says, uh, let me throw this in here. Uh, we're going to do our questions here and our Q&A throughout the broadcast here, friends. By the way, this is Q&A 43, uh, if you are counted, and surely we are. Uh, but uh, Cynthia says, it makes me so angry how the government lies to our face about this COVID stuff, you think, huh? Every day on the news and commercials constantly, how do you keep your composure? She said, well, that's not easy to do. But then she goes on to say, winter is, is indoor season. Do we just gather and then come home and rinse our sinuses? Is there any vaccine that works and it is not dangerous? Or how do we protect ourselves? And that's where a lot of these reports are now coming with this uh, convergence of uh, the season. 
the, the flus and influenzas, which by far kill a fa- lot more people than COVID would. Uh, the, the, the general flu and influenza has been uh, pretty serious historically uh, to folks. Uh, so what do you say to Cynthia for that? I would say go back to normal life. Uh, there has been a um, downside to social distancing and lockdowns. And one of them has been the lack of immunologic challenge. You know, we all carry various viruses and bacteria and we're interacting with one another and we're actually challenging each other immunologically. And that's normal human interaction. It's gone on for the millennia. And humans were never designed to live in isolation. And what we found out is by being isolated, when exposed to something, can actually be sicker than when we would if we just had normal life. An example in the children with the adenovirus 41 outbreak. Now, looking back, that was probably because the kids were isolated for a couple of years. And once they got back to school, even a mild hepatitis virus uh, caused some kids to need liver transplant and some, sadly, some died. Now, you don't hear about that anymore. It basically died down. Now we're having this flare of respiratory syncytial virus and influenza. So I say go back to normal living. The one advancement that we've seen is the nasal virucidal washes and gargles. Everybody should have a strategy. Um, I think twice a day for prevention or certainly at the end of the day when you come home. And I'm thinking about, Malcolm, the most vulnerable patients. One of my patients today is a doctor. He's in his 70s. He's had COVID. He's got a very severe uh, form of lung disease now after COVID. Mm -hmm. I just saw a CT scan. Let me tell you what, this guy wouldn't stand an hour with influenza. So he's going to be somebody who I'm going to tell him, listen, be careful and make sure you use and have in your house a strategy for the virucidal nasal washes and gargles, and actually a strategy for cleansing the air with a form of a uh, air purification approach. Right. This is uh, why, you know, uh, uh, my wife uh, is a perfect example, Peter. Uh, You know, you know, we're blessed. We, uh, I mean, we feel uh, with great grace and dignity, but, you know, her lungs are scarred. They're, 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 uh, they'll never be perfect again because of what she went through with the COVID thing. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, she was, we were uh, a miracle. I mean, blessed beyond blessed, but she was very close to being on that ventilator and we would have lost her. And, but the damage from all of this, now, we're not talking vaccines here now, we're talking the bioweapon itself uh, and the COVID. And, uh, you know, um, the damage to her lungs is serious, it's severe. And, but there are things we do to counteract that, that I push back on every day with her. And they are all the things that Dr. McCullough just shared with you, those nutraceuticals, this, this, these products that are so important for our immune systems and the, the, the sinuses, rinse, the nasal rinses, all of that. This, this is serious stuff, people. This, this is and the cleaning of the air. Back to Cynthia's question, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Well, there are things we do, and you have to have a strong mind, and you have to take the bull by the horn, as they say. And that's kind of what I did in my own life. I'm just sharing with your friends what I did with my own wife. Uh, what we do, and by the way, I've been doing this great series with uh, who you mentioned a moment ago, um, uh, Peter, uh, Dr. Um, uh, Henry Ely, Dr. H, uh, and uh, who is uh, just uh, terrific. And uh, we've been doing this series, Taking Back Control of Your Life. And I have to tell you, uh, we just extended it three weeks out up until Thanksgiving. Uh, let me give you a secret right now. Over the next uh, three weeks, I'm, I personally, myself, are going to be doing, MD, we'll be doing a detoxing cleansing of our bodies, going through a process that Dr. H is walking us through. 
And so if you want to get that information, uh, listen in on Fridays, every Friday on The Voice of a Nation, 6 and 11. All the shows go to podcast. You can see it up on the menu. Go to Taking Back Control of Your Life, which is part of my daily show, The Voice of a Nation. But get in there and see all the body of work on the podcast. Go back and listen to number one show. Bring it forward. There's so much information in there. And I've gotten so many responses and overwhelming responses from these Q&As and even the show we're doing right now that Dr. McCullough and I really reinvented this format. Uh, but anyways, I just want to uh, detox, cleanse your body. All that's got to help. Right, Dr. McCullough? All that's got to help us. Uh, you know, yeah. I really I, I was when you were mentioning, I said, gosh, I need to tune in. I had one. I listened to Dr. Ely for a couple hours at the Sedona Pathways meeting, yeah. Yeah. and he's such a good teacher and he's so evidence-based that when he finishes, uh, it changes behavior. It's like I wanted to actually start doing uh, and following these suggestions. Uh, and what he suggests is not um, unreasonable. It's not burdensome. And I think what he's teaching us is to have this personal um, discipline, this ability to self-evaluate and uh, and then move forward and i think it's going to be so good for our listenership i hope everybody tunes in here because it's not just uh intermittent fasting but it's the strategic use of nutraceuticals and supplements all this you can control on your own this is all affordable but it takes a skill level that he's going to impart to all the listeners that's it yeah the intermittent fasting is very very cool uh, that uh, dr mccullough puts out here and i do it every day i've changed my whole lifestyle peter based on what you just spoke about and i've been doing it since the beginning of this series now, truth be told, uh, in full disclosure, Peter, my wife had it right before I did. She's done this good part of her life. She doesn't, she's not one of these pickers or eats throughout the day. That's one of the worst things you can do to yourself, friends, uh, because your cells don't have a chance to regenerate themselves and they don't have a, ch a chance to, you know, to uh, rest. They're always working with food, with food. So it's what it is, is you do the 16 8, 16 8, 16 8. 16 fast, eight, eat within an eight hour period, 16 off, don't eat, rest your body, rest your cells, eight hours eat. And you know, it's, you either live to eat or you eat to live, but then you really become what Dr. Uh, Ely, Dr. H says is almost a foodie. You really appreciate food more. It tastes better, but your body feels wicked good. I've been doing the intermittent fasting now for the past two months, Peter, and it's, fa it's fantastic. Now we're going to be doing detoxing, cleansing, and all this other stuff. And it can only help, right? right? Man, no wonder you look so good. I, I'm trying to think if I go 16 hours, you know, that would be, gosh, what would that be? That would be eight to noon? It's, if, I'm, I'm going to tell you, right, Peter, pl please believe me when I tell you. If you haven't done this, uh, I'm going to really tell you to do it because. Well, t tell me how you do 16 hours. Tell, well, tell very, me how very easy. You stop eating at night. Uh, you don't eat and pick all night long for sure. So have your dinner, but then stop eating around nine, ten. Kill it. Don't do it. Now, when I say don't eat, that means no calories at all. Right. I mean right. no calories. That means okay. zero. And so you have to just water, uh, herbal tea. That's it. So okay. now you don't eat throughout the whole night. Obviously, you sleep in a restaurant. You don't have breakfast in the morning. You do not do that. It is not the most important of the day. That's rubbish. And you and you don't do any. Don't do wait sixteen hours and get into like about three, four in the afternoon. Wow. And then and but it's your body feels better. And I'm telling you, you do that a couple of days, and you're 
I, I believe your body is going to react so positive to it. But he even gets to the point of telling you to have a bowel movement in the morning. In the very morning, train your body to get rid of its waste in the morning when you wake up. And he tells you how to do it in the series. He's very specific. Now, now yeah. Malcolm, do you drink coffee? As I do. Black I coffee. Do. Black so coffee. With, with that, you can have coffee. In the you morning. can have black coffee, no cream, no sugar, which I don't drink anyway. I don't drink. I don't need sugar. I'm sweet enough. And I don't use <laughs> cream. I have always been a fan of black coffee, frankly. Is that what you do or do you put the stuff in it? I put some stuff in it, but my wife is trying to convince me not to. Well, your um, wife, you see, your wife was always right, Peter. She, you, you, ever what. since you and I've been talking, I've been siding with your wife. Her and <laughs> I've been right. <laughs> so, but the black coffee is as good for you. And yes, I had black coffee this morning, as as a, just because. I mean, I don't live or die by it. I I don't. You know, it's not like I have to have it. You know, but it's good to do it a little bit. It, you know, maybe helps you a little bit. But I drink I drink a lot of water. Do you drink a lot of water? Do you drink a lot of not enough. Not enough. I drink fact, a lot my, of water. My yeah. brother got a kidney stone a few years ago, yeah. and it just reminded me that, boy, you know, if you don't drink water, what happens is the stones take uh, a long time to yeah, form. Yeah. Yeah. And then once they get big enough and they block the ureter, boy, you're in trouble. The you're best, in trouble. Yeah. Best I, prevention against a kidney stone is drink water. Yeah. Yeah. Peter, I've got in front of me a big thing of water and I, you're going to love this. I, I got to send you an image of this one time. Maybe I'll put it on the post here. And it's it's this big uh, kind of a red container with a, a thing you drink out of it. And it says on the front, life is good. And it's got a guy kind of with a backpack on hike and walk in this way that I visualizes me. Of course, it's not. And it's got a little dog on the side walking with them and they're just life is good it says and uh and and that's kind of what i think peter <laughs> life is good and, and i fill it up with water every day how's that and let me say one, let me say one other thing about drinking uh drinking what fluids you drink i learned this one time when i went to urologist this is all the men listening malcolm you know for men we have the special gift of having a prostate and the prostate's about as big around as a walnut it's at the base of the bladder but the prostate grows uh, as we get older, and it does, uh, in a sense, kind of squeeze the base of the bladder for a man. And so men always have the urge to urinate far more than women. And all the men listening know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I went to the urologist one time. I said, gosh, you know, I'm going all the time, and I'm not happy with my urination. And he said, listen, the human bladder was meant to feel water not brown cola, not ginger ale, not mm. coffee, not mm. tea. The human bladder yeah. likes water. Mm. He goes, anything other than water is an irritant. Mm. It's a He goes, number one bladder irritant is coffee, wow. Wow. coffee. He goes, you'll get an urge to, to urinate after coffee like no other substance right. because it's so irritating. You know, once he phrased it that way, yeah. it helped me. Listen, I enjoy coffee. I had a couple cups today. I'm done. Yeah. I, sh I shut it off before noon. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. And, you know, the caffeine lasts in the body for 24 hours. And the people who go to Starbucks and keep drinking through the day, <laughs> they are constantly irritating the bladder and they are stacking the caffeine in their body. Well, you know, I've read a lot of reports, you probably have as well, that two to five cups of coffee actually a day have great significance for your body or good. Uh, so there's the opposite side of that argument as well, by the way. I'm not talking about the bladder specifically. I'm talking about other benefits of it. So I guess there's a rhyme and reason for everything, isn't there? You know, well, there. I mean, there are benefits to coffee. I mean, the, the, the studies, yeah. the most powerful studies for coffee have to do with um, performance on examinations. So yeah. there have been studies where you go in, you drink no coffee, you take the exam, 
versus taking drinking a cup of coffee beforehand. It's night and day. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you really, well, your processing really improves your mental processing. Yeah. But but I what I, in general, say, because caffeine does promote um, heart palpitations, does stack up in the body, bladder irritation, that it's a moderation type of message. Mm-hmm. And, and I do believe in cutting it off before noon yeah. uh, and not making it an all-day affair. Yeah, well, I don't. I'm, I'm with you. I drink it in the morning. Uh, but again, I don't have to have it. I'm not addicted to it or anything else. It's perfectly fine. Uh, but uh, hey, you know, whatever. Uh, but listen, the one thing I've always done, Peter, in full disclosure, I drink more water than anybody I know. My system flushes constantly. My bladder is probably one of the happiest bladders in the nation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it gets lots of water. And if I have to get up a couple, three times and pee, and I, I am perfectly good with that, brother. <laughs> so I have no issue with it at all. And I think the water is the thirst of life. And uh, I've got to have my water. And you know, water to me, Tastes like like the best uh, to some people might be a bourbon or cognac or wine or something else. To me, that's water. I love water. Got to have now. Water. Do you, I got to ask you since we're on the topic? Do you drink filtered water or bottled water or? It, it, yeah, not the bottled water. I drink filtered water right here at home. Uh, filtered water, but but uh, the bottled water. There's some problems with the bottled water that are not good for you. They say, by the way, I've uh, been reading reports on that as well. The plastic in those bottles is not supposed to be that great for you either. It's there, by the way. Right. So there's some components in a plastic, but let me say a yeah. couple of things about filtered water is uh, one of the best grand rounds I went to was the head of the respiratory division at the National Institutes of Health. He came about 10 years ago yeah. and he presented on an illness called Mycobacterium avium intracellulare, MEC, and said that, you know, th- there's like one of these bugs per million gallons of water, whatever mm. it is. Right. But when the water goes through a filter, then it traps the bug and the bug lives in water. So once you have a filter, it can trap these occasional bugs and then it can form a colony of those bugs. Wow. And here, here you are drinking the water. And he says the bugs literally go up to the surface and then you breathe it in as you drink the water. Mm-hmm. And he showed all these all the published data on it. Wow. And this is what he convinced me of. He said, if you're going to drink filtered water, Brita filter, refrigerator filter, what have you, right, right. change the filter regularly. Yeah. Do not leave it. And and I used to be in an office where I used to go back, in, you know, where the coffee machine was mm. and it says last changed, you know, March 2015 or something. Yeah. It was like, gosh, this is, thing's got eight years of crud in the filter. Nobody changed it. You know how it is in an office. Nobody's responsible for anything. Um, and I concluded that, you know, filter water is okay if you like it, but make sure you change the filter. What people don't do is they don't change the filter in these refrigerators. And they literally are in there forever. And so uh, people ought to take a look. It was, when was the last time you changed it? I think it's every three or six months. It's, it's far more frequently than what people are doing. Yeah, that's good advice. That's, that's really good advice. Uh, bottom line, friends, take care of yourself, please. Do the things you need to do. I've always been an advocate of a healthy lifestyle. I've talked to you about that all my life. Uh, you know, I, I just believe it's important for us to get outside of the walls. It's important to get vitamin D from the sun and walk and breathe and see trees and clouds and smile at people and say hello. And, I, and I've done shows on that, actually, uh, The Sidewalks of America. I got to write a book one time about it. I love it. I love it. I did a, a show one time about the people you meet on the sidewalks of America. I just absolutely love that stuff. 
Anyways, uh, listen, uh, I, I got to real quickly, I've, I've got to get in here because it's so relevant to what we're talking about. The, the nasal hygiene, uh, Dr. McCullough, you know full well, uh, the two products we have right here on the platform are just, I could not be prouder. Uh, Cofix RX is made with a povidone iodine. Clear XLEAR is made with xylitol. Two fantastic products. Nasal hygiene, couple squirts in each nostril, get it in, get it out. Do it, you know, especially you can use it every eight hours, actually. It's perfectly safe to do that with. That's a great way to fight coming into the season. Back to Cynthia's question, isn't it? It is. There's no doubt about it. I mentioned I was at a program last night where I was a panelist for the Children's Health Defense, yeah. and we had a Q&A, and one of the doctors came up and said the most important thing she had learned through the pandemic is the nasal and oral hygiene approach. She felt in her practice that made the biggest impact of everything. If wow. she thought it was a bigger impact wow. than all the drugs, she had treated a lot of patients. Yeah. It's simple. It's affordable. People should get into the discipline of doing it. I don't Wa travel now without having wash it. Wash your hands, wash your nose, right, Peter? Right? Wash yeah. your hands, wash your nose. It's the same mentality, same thinking. Uh, clear you can get at pharmacies, uh, grocery stores. It's uh, spelled X-L-E-A-R to be sure. In fact, Nathan Jones, the CEO, is a actually is writing columns and uh, is a contributor here on the platform. Uh, he's just a terrific guy. And also, Cofix RX, uh, you can get 20% off that product. Uh, use the code OUTLOUD. OUTLOUD is always our code here. So just remember that when you go to the sites. And back, there's... Um, in, there's a banners, a banner ads back at America Out Loud, very well placed, uh, very simple. And they don't, you don't, you're not going to get assaulted with them, but they're on the front page. You can just click them when you want them. They don't interfere otherwise with you checking out the site. Like a lot of these new sites, I hate that stuff. You got to keep clicking X's and videos and all that nonsense. You don't have to do it here at America Out Loud. Uh, it's also on every post page, but there's a lot of information on those sites for, which is what Dr. McCullough was just saying to inform yourself of. The other one I must say quickly is, uh, the uh, Genesis Fogger HOCL. Uh, kills the pathogens in the air. And they got that new one, the atomizer, which I had sent to you, Peter. Have you, you seen that one? It's a stationary item. You put the HOCL in and it distributes around the room and kills the viruses, flus, pathogens, SARS-CoV-2. You see that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, completely loaded with it now. So yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I needed it because um, Amazing. You know, my wife was using it at some of our commercial properties and right. because we have some common areas you know i just traveled through the new laguardia airport uh, last night and this morning the restrooms are huge which makes a big difference and the airflow i sense is better but i still think restrooms heavily traveled in congested restrooms any of you have a home you know those hallway bathrooms from the the houses from the 50s 60s and 70s you know what i'm talking about malcolm the hallway right. bathrooms That's right where, where they had the biggest foot traffic for any family yeah. That's where these, uh, with a Genesis Fogger, can play in a huge role. Uh, the the homemaker can do a cleanse, uh, you know, probably uh, at least once a day. Right. And then in the rooms where you know where we're concerned, uh, I think particularly when we have elderly parents or others around. And plus, we want to freshen things up. Last night, right. I stayed uh, in kind of a, a group situation in an Airbnb. 
Nein. I left yeah. my room. Yeah. I think that that's a perfect way to clean up yeah. and, and restore the room for the next person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the fogger is transportable. You put it on your shoulder, very easy to use, walk around the room. But the atomizer, the new product they have is stationary uh, and uh, and it distributes that HOCL throughout the room. You don't have to do anything, but just set it up and let it run. Those products should get 15% off and that's, that's a good. And the atomizer has got a great price point, by the way. Everyone can afford that. Uh, but uh, 50% off, use the code out loud, uh, Genesis HOCL. They are marvelous people, no doubt about it. And uh, for time, I'm not going to get deep into it, but just remember healthy cell, the micro gel. D and I take it every day. We take the immune super boost. We take the focus and recall for the brain fog. Make sure we're ready to do battle there. I love, love healthy cell. 25% off the first order you get with healthy cell. I, I just know all the stuff on the back of my hand, but these are, these are remarkable people, remarkable companies. All the people I share with you right now, uh, amazing. Uh, we have uh, really changed the uh, paradigm of today's broadcast. I, I hope it's been a value to your friends. I have just a little more time, but uh, I um, I, uh, I expect to do a lot more questions, and I apologize we couldn't get to more, but we've got some really valuable information in here that we delivered to you today, as I think is important. A uh, couple, let me squeeze a couple in here in the last few minutes, if you don't mind, uh, Dr. McCullough. Let's, uh, uh, and they are... Um, uh, Tamara says, I'm just wondering how the authorities know which variants exist in different areas. Presumably, they need samples for sequencing. I don't know anyone who's had an extra sample uh, taken for sequencing. I'm assuming they can't use the same sample that's used for PCR antigen testing. Where do the samples come from that are used for sequencing, she's asking. The CDC uses what's called the NowCast system, which I've been a big advocate of, been a very good system. But it relies on departments of community health where they actually do do samples and uh, they do submit samples uh, to, you know, for analysis for what's called full genomic sequencing. The interesting thing about this question, Malcolm, is that fewer people go to the departments of community health for testing. Uh, you know, they go to urgent cares, hospitals. And in fact, most people are doing home testing. So if you test at home, no one is getting a chance to, in a sense, have their genome sequenced. And an interesting observation is we've been stuck on this BA5 subvariant now for months. And maybe this is a product because the reason why the sequencing isn't dynamic is because they're not having the throughput of samples coming in for analysis. Great question. All right. Uh, Diane says, is uh, Paxlovid safe? Paxlovid is safe, although in the uh, JAMA, there was a paper published uh, outlining over 40 drug-drug interactions. So a healthy person who's on no other medications that fit the original uh, clinical trial uh, that was published in uh, New England Journal of Medicine, no one would have a problem. It's age 45, be fine. Now, what happens older people on blood thinners, statins, other drugs, uh, we quickly run out of real estate with drug-to-drug -drug interactions. And I think safer choices are the other antivirals. What we don't want to do is give Paxlovid to a senior citizen who's on 10 other drugs, because if we do, we're going to run into trouble. All right. Melanie says, after being hospitalized for 12 days with COVID over a year ago, my joint and body pain has continued to worsen. Is this from the virus or transference from vaccinated people that rub shoulders with each week. It's from the virus. A paper by Chertow and colleagues from the NIH show the virus is in the body for months after the infection, slowly replicating. Some people are having trouble clearing it out, and it's due to the virus. 
Okay. Uh, James says University of California awarded a $500,000 grant from National Science Foundation to infuse the mRNA COVID vax into vegetables. Australia doing similar research with injecting livestock. Have you heard of this? And do you have any thoughts about this happening to our food supply? Yes, I have heard about ingestible vaccines. And, you know, the real question is, uh, are these going to survive the acid environment of the GI tract? You know, when you swallow something, it goes into the stomach. The pH in the stomach is about one or two. It's like battery acid. And uh, if the acid in your stomach can digest a lump of steak, it may be able to break down messenger RNA. We, We don't know. I think that's the real question. You know, a paper by Hannah and colleagues found the messenger RNA in breast milk. So we know the babies are ingesting it. The question is, is the, is the human body with its acid uh, and its other proteolytic enzymes, is it breaking down this sufficiently or is it getting into the body and we need more research? Okay, I'm gonna get this last one in from Jamie. Uh, says, I am not vaccinated and got COVID the week before the holidays. I only had the severe body aches and fever, took ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and doxycycline. I started on day five, much better in a couple of days. My question is, I have my blood work done every three months for hormones, and today, for the first time in my life, my kidneys function showed up as an issue. I've heard it can affect the kidneys. Is this true? If so, how can I reverse it? And what was the exposure again, Malcolm? That Va- vaccinated uh, and got COVID the week before the holidays. I only had the severe body aches and fever, took ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. I don't know. Uh, my question yes. is, I've had my blood work done every three months. For yes, there is one paper um, about the vaccines injuring kidney function. And you'd think if this was the case, that we would see more and more uh, of this. Uh, and it's only one case report. Let me get you the citation. It's by Ver- Verma, uh, M- I'm sorry, uh, Mira and colleagues, Philippe Mira from the Department of Nephrology at, um, at, at Coimbra University in Portugal. Title of the paper is called A Case of Acute Interstitial Nephritis After Two Doses of the Pfizer Vaccine. It occurred in a 45-year-old. So what to look for here is a rash over the skin and then obvious change in kidney function, need detailed blood and urine tests. So this person definitely should see their internist or family doctor or ask for a consult to a nephrologist. Based on what was described, um, I doubt it was due to the vaccine. This case that I'm uh, reporting here, this went went really bad. This person went all the way on to uh, kidney dialysis. Okay. Well, my friends, my fellow Americans, and to all of our dear friends, uh, we are just out of time here. A a lot more questions we'll get to in the weeks ahead here. Uh, Listen, uh, it gave you a lot of food for thought today, a lot to really think about. Uh, This is one probably to rewind and play again, but be sure to share that upfront part of the broadcast with as many people Uh, That was pretty heavy, but so important to get out there, man, with that paper that Dr. McCullough was engaged with uh, from the Journal of uh, Neurological Disorders. Uh, Thank you for joining us here on the broadcast and uh, America Out Loud Pulse. We're always a beat ahead.